A reading from the second book of Samuel. At the turn of the year, when kings go out on campaign, David sent out Joab along with his officers in the army of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. David, however, remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David rose from his siesta and strolled about on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing who was very beautiful. David had inquiries made about the woman and was told she is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, and wife of Joab's armor-bearer Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers and took her. When she came to him, he had relations with her. She then returned to her house. But the woman had conceived and sent the information to David, I am with child. David therefore sent a message to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When he came, David questioned him about Joab, the soldiers, and how the war was going. And Uriah answered that all was well. David then said to Uriah, go down to your house and bathe your feet. Uriah left the place, the palace, and a portion who sent and a portion was sent out after him from the king's table. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the royal palace with the other officers of his lord and did not go down to his own house. David was told that Uriah had gone, had not gone home. On the day following, David summoned him and he ate and drank with David who made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his own bed among his lord's servants and did not go down to his home. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, which he sent by Uriah. In it, he directed, place Uriah up front where the fighting is fierce, then pull back and leave him to be struck down dead. So while Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew the defenders were strong. When the men of the city made a sortie against Joab, some officers of David's army fell, and among them, Uriah the Hittite died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be merciful, Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your, in your goodness and the greatness of your compassion wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt and of my sin cleanse me. Be merciful, Lord, for we have sinned. For I acknowledge my offense and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, Lord, for we have sinned. I've done such evil in your sight that you are just in your sentence, blameless when you condemn. True, I was born guilty, a sinner, even as my mother conceived me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness, and the bones you have crushed shall revive. Turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, he knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first a blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It's like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a fine line or balance uh, in the spiritual life 
of uh, receptivity or passivity and ac activity, I guess, if you want to say that. So how much you work to achieve and how much you kind of surrender and trust and, and don't work as hard. Uh, so we see David. Um, is, remember the reading from a couple days ago when David wants to build the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so in a way, in this scene, he's overachieving when he wants to build the Ark of the Covenant. Um, he's There's a fundamental doubt in him of God's unconditional love. So this is what happens to us when we're, you know, quote unquote, overachieving in the spiritual life. We think, you know, we need to earn God's love or we need to um, kind of gain his favor. You know, if things aren't going well for us or if we're sick, like the more rosaries we do or if we, you know, fast and you know, God's going to bless us more and more. Uh, so we, we kind of overachieve or we overwork. So God tells David in that scene with the Ark of the Covenant, when David says, hey, I want to build this house for you. God's like, I don't need you to do this. Look, you haven't done any of this on your own. I was the one who chose you as a little shepherd boy, the the least of, of, of your father's sons. I was the one who made you victorious over Goliath. I was the one who brought you uh, to the kingship, victory over Saul. Like, I've chosen you. I've blessed you, and I love you, David. I don't need you to do this. I will take care of you. I just need you to be where you are right now. Okay? Um, so, like, think of the parables of the of the seed that Jesus has been giving us. You know, like, we don't grab the seed out of the sower's, you know, satchel. He, he throws it to us. So that's, we don't want to overachieve. But then on the other hand, we don't want to just be lazy and not do anything. So this is the, the fault that David has now in this reading uh, today. You know, he should be out with his army on, on campaign. This is when generals go out to lead. Um, but he's not leading his men. He's just sitting back in the palace. He's not doing anything. And so what he's, he gives into lust and temptation and so forth, he commits the sin of adultery and then murder. So if we don't you know, work enough or we kind of take for granted uh, God's love, um, we're presumptuous of his mercy, uh, then we're not... This, the line of connection to God has been severed. We're relying on ourselves, and it's just going to be a matter of time before we fall. So it's helpful um, to, I know, find the, the, the perfect you know, median between the two extremes, but to, to look at and, and kind of examine the, the motivation of your spiritual activities. Um, do you do it because, again, you have this pressure, like you've got to please God, you're overachieving, you, um, you need to earn his, his love or you need to curry his favor and grace? Um, do you just, or do you, you know, not do anything or do you do things, but you just like, you don't do it out of a sense of love. Um, so you're kind of lazy in that way. Or are you, do you, are you nailing it? Like you feel that you're in sync with God and you're doing these things because he's calling you and you're responding. Kind of that's the area we want to be in. Maybe that's the grace we can pray for today. Amen.